And welcome to another episode of Practice What You Teach, a weekly teacher podcast. This week, we actually didn't record. I had to redo this because I did not hit the record button. But I'm your host, Mr. Hare, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Moreland. Hello. And Mr. Lumpkin. Yo. We're also joined with a special guest host. He's the pragmatic, the punctual, and, of course, the prescient. Mr. Kylie, how are you doing this week, Mr. Kylie? Oh, I'm great. Glad to be here. And I don't know so much about the punctual part, but I'm working on it. <laughs> we are glad to have you. We're glad to have you this week, and we're glad to have you up in Aspen Park. Now, as always, we like to go over what we're going to talk about, and we will get to know you better, Mr. Kylie. But this week, we're going to have a quick talk, get to know everybody, how everybody's been doing, since we did not get a chance to record last week. So this week, we're getting a double stuffed two episodes, and we're going to talk about the results of our poll that we did. We're also going to talk about the previous episode. And then because we're going to skip over the sports, we're actually going to bring you a double long section where we discuss our burning question of should society focus on a quality of opportunity or a quality of outcome? Some club updates and then our interview with Mr. Kylie. But with all that being said, Mr. Moreland, haven't gotten to see you in a couple of days. I know you weren't feeling too good last Friday. How are you feeling now? Well, it's hard to tell. I mean, I think I'm feeling better. But then again, it's the symptoms that were minor originally are now major and the symptoms that were major are now minor. So I'm taking a lot of, you know, medicine, some vitamin C, you know. Uh, my fiance made a special juice drink for me that had ginseng in it and all sorts of good stuff that, you know, is good for you but doesn't taste that well. But it was actually not that bad. It tasted like Christmas. Kind of that's like good, pine, right? Kind of like a pine tree. But it was good, and if it makes me feel better, then that's it's all it's worth it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I got my wedding this weekend, so hopefully, congratulations, yeah, by the way. Thank congratulations. you. Hopefully, I won't be talking like this when I'm at the wedding. Although the microphone doesn't seem to be, you know, changing my voice too much, but it sounds a lot worse than it it probably is. You sound pretty good, actually. Yeah. You you were in a bad way on Friday. I'm just glad you're feeling much better today, Mr. Lumpkin. Uh, I know you've had a lot going on. Uh, How are you doing today? I'm doing okay now. It's been it's been a weekend. Uh, from Friday onwards, I was watching as my fiance's car was giving off enough uh, liquid there to parch. Well, now you know what? Nah, let's go off of that. Let's, let's not do that analogy. Basically, her car's radiator slash coolant system was just like, uh, I'm just going to drop everything. That's not good. No, not particularly. It didn't explode or anything dramatic, but it was leaking to the point that it was just leaving a trail behind it. And we had to actually finally take it to the shop. Because if we had not, with it getting colder outside and with it freezing, with the water that's in there, it would have gone from bad to worse. That's correct. So I'm glad you've got that situation straightened out. But I would like to ask Mr. Kylie. I know you had a good weekend. How, how are things going on your end? Oh, pretty great. Um, we had band practice Friday. Um, I'm crazy. I booked three shows with three different projects that I have in October. So you've got a busy month coming. Yep. Up. There you go. Yep. Yeah. So I'm, you know, practicing for that, trying to get that already, and you know. We had some curveballs uh, getting everybody together Friday, but we made it happen eventually. So, you know, that's that great. Good. Yeah. Now, if you don't mind, uh, what is the name of your band again? Or the three different projects? Yes. So <laughs> the first, there's um, Anti Gravitational. That's like the full band, like rock band. I think that's a great name, by the way. Thank you. Yep. And uh, then there are two others. One is like a solo thing um, that's called Collapsing. And then. Uh, there's another science one actually is uh, with my friend from Fredericksburg. It's just the two of us uh, program Zelda. 
I like all of these games, <laughs> and I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to get a couple. Of, uh, if you have a YouTube channel or some other way that you distribute your music, we're gonna have to get that in the show notes. And is that collapsing with a K? No. Oh. <laughs> That's funny you mentioned that because it is an homage to a German band, uh, and their first album was called Collapse with a K because it's German. Mm. I was just thinking because your yeah. name's Kylie. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's excellent. I'm glad, good to know that you're out there making music and sharing it with the world. Now, <clears throat> Mr. Morland, tell me, what was our poll last week and what were the results? All right. Well, we've focused on the four most recent <clears throat> Disney princesses because uh, the Disney theme was something that the Manassas Park uh, classes had for their their boards for the homecoming last week, and so we asked which was your favorite <clears throat> Disney princess from the past ten years: Tiana, Rapunzel, Merida, or Moana. And in a three-way tie, Merida, Rapunzel, and Moana received one vote. So I'm a little bit disappointed in the results of this this poll because we only had three votes, and because they all voted for a different person. We didn't really get a, a you know decisive answer, but that's okay. I guess you know all the princesses deserve a, a special place in uh, the Disneyland lore or whatever you want to call it. Who's Absolutely. your who's your personal and it doesn't have to be the last ten years, Mister Hare. Who's your personal favorite Disney princess? Wow, that's a that's kind of a hard question for me. I, I watched all of the Disney movies every year uh, coming up. I guess. <clears throat> The one that sticks out to me the most is Ariel. Ah, the Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid. Uh, she was one of, she was an homage to, I think, uh, uh, an astronaut with the red hair and the zero gravity and all the floating. So for me as a kid, that's the one that really stuck out to me the most. Mr. Kylie? Um, yeah, I got to go either with Ariel or, oh gosh, it. This is going to be bad, but uh, from Aladdin, that's Jasmine. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like her too. So is it a red hair kind of connection? Connection. Um, I think I like the songs from that movie. Sure. Under the Sea. Oh, okay. so, Yeah, I like that one a lot. So, Mr. Lumpkin? I'm going to throw you a curveball, and I'm going to have to admit that I have to actually look it up to remember her name. Was Atlantis the old movie from like the early – like? Or 2000s. Was that technically a Disney movie? I that was, was a Disney movie, yeah. And they, they always forget about her, even though I feel like she was one of the very strong like female protagonist princesses. And why am I forgetting her name? Uh, Michael Kida. J. Fox. And Kida. Yes, yes, her name was Kida. If I was to choose one, I did love Princess Kida, and I felt like she was a very good representation of like an early 2000s strong female protagonist. Absolutely. I, I just really enjoyed the setting and going along with that movie. But then again, I have a special place in my heart for a lot of the early 2000s animated films. Absolutely. Akito <laughs> uh, was always a great one. Uh, Pocahontas, I actually watched that in the theater. Uh, so Pocahontas always sticks out to me. And I know this one is going to be uh, a little uh, more recent, but uh, Shuri. Uh, the Black Panther's sister. So. Oh, I guess since mm -hmm. Marvel's a part of Disney now, yeah. she counts as a Disney she counts princess. counts as a Disney princess. <laughs> so is Leia, though. Oh, yeah. That's oh. always the same. Oh. Leia. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, can I go back and change that? <laughs> Who does Princess Leia? That's right. So I, I got to say, mine would probably be for the for the animated version, probably be Belle. From Beauty and the Beast. Mm -hmm. Yes, just because I like I like Beauty and the Beast. I like the Beast. I thought the Beast was pretty, pretty cool. The yeah. tale is old as time. Yeah, it's almost like... Uh, if anybody who's had my English 10 class before remembers, it's almost like a reverse version of Taming of the Shrew because Belle has to tame 
The Beast. The Beast. Just Absolutely. like, you know, I'm not going to say what happens in Tyranny of the Shrew, but if you're in my class now, you'll find out uh, next unit. Or you can just read the book. Yes. That's true. But for the live action one, I actually thought, I don't, I'm not a fan of the live action. You guys probably know that I've talked really? about that enough. Yeah. We have had this I'm, conversation. I'm not a fan of live action. We will have this as a burning question later on. Yes. Mm -hmm. But my favorite of the live action, which is the only one I actually liked too, on top of that, although I haven't seen Aladdin, so I really can't judge that one yet, is uh, the Cinderella one. That wasn't bad. I like that one the best. <clears throat> I thought the woman who played Cinderella was, was, you know, very attractive and she had a really nice smile. And, you know, it's kind of funny because I saw a picture of her out of the Cinderella costume and I was like, she doesn't even look like Cinderella, which is not. Yeah, the they did a good job with that one. Uh, that was that one came out really well. Yeah, I, I like the thing. And it wasn't just a retelling of the story. It was like a it was some aspects that were the same, but it also had its own its own little twist to it. Absolutely. So it's always nice to see that they're even though rehashing the old stories, putting a new twist on them. Mm -hmm. That being said, I'd like to recount our previous episode. In our last episode, we had a club news recap. So once again, we're going to have another club news recap. Uh, we're not going to do sports news this week because we're actually recording on Monday. So we don't actually have this week's sports pulled up. So I do want to talk very clearly, though. Anime Club's got some news. What do you want to share with us, Mr. Mullen? Anime Club has its first uh, fundraiser of the year. And it's going to be on Wednesday, October 16th. So it's about three, a little less than three weeks away. And for that fundraiser, and we'll have more information coming up as it gets closer, we're doing a profit share with Chipotle on Liberia. It's excellent. And I also know that uh, a lot of teachers like Chipotle, and we usually get a pretty good turnout for fundraisers that are associated with them. So we're hoping to have a big turnout for Anime Club. The goal is to... Uh, go to an anime convention. I mean, I don't, I don't think we've really decided which one we want to try to go yeah, to. We haven't nailed down quite yet, but we've definitely got some options that are coming up for next early next semester, looking at like February, March, right? Yes, and the idea is to try to get enough money to not only pay for the convention, but to pay for transportation as well. That way everybody's covered. And the only money that the students have to spend is going to be whatever they want to spend on, you know, merchandise, whatever they want to look at at the convention. So Excellent. I'm very excited. Uh, I think conventions are a great way to connect with those who love the things that you love. Very excited about that. Game Club, any news this week? Uh, nothing too crazy. This week I've gotten some more stuff to be able to bring forward for Anime Club. And oh, for Video Game Club, excuse me. And I believe, Mr. Kylie, you had offered some of your uh, expertise in Magic to actually yep. join us. Are you going to yep. take the chance? Yeah, I'm going to come and play Magic the Gathering. Yeah, oh. I, I pulled my decks out this morning. so I'm very excited. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know uh, that we've played a lot of different games. I know we got Warhammer 40,000. We got video games when we're in there. But uh, uh, I play... Uh, the uh, collectible card game for Star Wars many years ago. And I remember on the nights that we would go play that, we would also have Magic the Gathering on the other side of the comic book store I went to. And Magic was always exciting to me because I would love watching them play Magic. So it's going to be very nostalgic for me to watch people play Magic the Gathering. Mm -hmm. so. And we all, always have a lot of fighting games at the at the uh, game club. Yeah. PlayStation 3 is what's going to be there this week again. Uh, I know I have a couple students that were interested in that. I have Street Fighter, all sorts of fighting games, Guilty Gear, quite a lot of different options for you guys. So if you uh, want to come check it out, everybody's always welcome. Okay, that was bizarre. Sorry, somebody just hit the window and I wasn't a sure. A bird what? flew into the window <laughs> while we were recording. Yeah, the yeah. bird wanted to yeah. go to the game club. He was always so excited. So why don't you guys you know, make like a bird and fly into uh, room 345 <laughs> this Wednesday. 
uh, for Game Club. Exciting news. Step team, we have been meeting every week and every Cougar time. Well, we are preparing for our first performance, which we have not quite nailed down yet. But all of our practices are open practices. So if you would like to come and see us perform in practice, you are more than welcome to do so. and Come get a free preview of our next show. Now, I'd like to go right into our interesting news stories. I know we all have a news story. Uh, Mr. Moreland's got one. I want to go ahead and start with him and his news story of the week. So... There's a new series of tests, blood tests, that are able to detect dozens of different cancers at 99.4% accuracy. So when I went to the doctor, I went to the doctor for a checkup recently, and I'm in my 30s now, so I was really nervous that I was going to have to have a special test done that you know most men know about. But when I asked the doctor about it, he said that's not no longer the case. He said they can actually test your blood now, and blood tests actually give them more information about whether or not you have certain cancers or not than any other test could do. So they took a sample of my blood. I haven't got the results back yet. But uh, from what he told me, he said that he, I seem like a really healthy guy, so I should be perfectly fine. But this new test that this article is talking about allows doctors to check your blood and then to diagnose whether or not you are at risk for cancer with 99% accuracy. It's pretty good. So, so far, there's not really been a cure for cancer yet, but at least with this test, the techniques we have already that can... Uh, help people who have it or have the potential to have it it might be able to figure out what we can do to help prevent it instead of having it be a problem from the get-go i know a lot of people have dealt with cancer uh, my grandmother for instance is, is fighting cancer right now and, and she's doing pretty well but she's still got a little ways to go so uh, hopefully everything will work out excellent we wish her the best and we're glad to know that they've uh, updated their methods over the last decade or so mr lumpkin what story do you have this week well, this week I'm bringing in something that my students were probably really passionate about back uh, two or three months ago when it was still a really big meme back when all the actual things were popping up. But I wanted to talk about the big thing that happened out in Nevada. Oh, yeah, Nevada just about mm, last week some point where a bunch of people got the idea that, you know what, if we all just read Area 51, there's too many of us. They won't be able to stop us. I, it was a joke that came out around about this time last year where I assumed that Right about the same time, but a lot of people were on Facebook posting events or posting memes of, of doing stuff that was just crazy, like going out in the middle of the Atlantic and pushing a hurricane somewhere else, or say, like, how we're all going to boycott, I don't know, global warming, and that's going to change it. This came around the same time where people were like, well, what if we just put out the craziest headlines for an event that we could and get as much attention as we can? And all things considered, considering the theme was, I believe, treason? technically, to invade a military base in the United States, it turned out okay. Uh, I think it was at about 5,000 to like, yeah, about 3,000, 5,000 people ended up actually going out to the event in Nevada, and they were actually prepared for them. Had bathrooms, ended up being a really interesting convention, and from some of the pictures and from the stories from people going there, it seemed like a really friendly event where a lot of people were really happy to be able to hang out and meet with like guards at Area 51. It's they call it alien stock, I believe, which I found to be very interesting. It was just really nice to see something that could have been, let's just say bad, um, or could have been very bad, end up as something that was really a, a unique a unique opportunity for people to get together and celebrate being weird, but also in a really friendly and nice way. Like I, I was really impressed with society for once in my life, that it went from being 
a joke that was dangerous to being a meme that was extra dangerous <laughs> to being an event that people were probably really enjoyed and were really happy with and had a sense of community with. Did Alf make an appearance? Oh, man, I hope so. I just hope they kept the cats away. And for those he, of, he, he's only on uh, uh, Hollywood Squares. Yeah, basically. for those of you who don't know, Alf was a TV show from the, I guess, 80s. The to, late 80s, the yeah. 80s to 90s about an alien who lives with a family. Alien life form. Yeah. yeah. And like, he wanted to eat the cat. It was a yep. sit, it was yeah. a sitcom, so it was very tongue in cheek. But I always thought that's one way to put it. Yeah, I always thought <laughs> Alf, I always thought Alf was not that funny. I was like, everything he says is not even funny, but the people laugh anyway. I thought Alf was hilarious. I, I thought Alf was just it, it, it in design, <laughs> but I'm also very much so into like weird puppets. So that's well, maybe not. Let me give more context to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into I'm into the use of design or use of puppets or other designs that are like non-traditional. To be able to utilize characters. I've Absolutely. always thought that. I preferred Gonzo as my alien puppet. That's fair. <laughs> That's very fair. So I'm gonna get this train back on the tracks here. <laughs> um, I actually I went with and I've been on. Uh, I again, you all know, I, I uh, went to school of physics, worked at a particle accelerator. So a lot of the work that I did was in the quantum realm, not the one that you see when you're watching Ant-Man, but <laughs> in the uh, part of our of physics that we like to call quantum. And one of the things that I'm very interested in is this article that is coming out from the uh, Watt University, mostly quantum lab, which is in uh, I want to double check here. It's in Europe, but they have conducted a study that has found quantum observers may be entitled to their own facts. And what that basically means is science is based on facts that are established by independent observations that are agreed to by everyone. Mr. Moreland and I have talked about this. Mr. Lumpkin and I have talked about this. And even Mr. Kiley, he, he's even weighed in on this. Like we all have to agree to a set of facts. But when you're dealing in the quantum world, there is a possibility that the people observing may have different facts. So let's say, for the sake of argument, that we have this thought experiment that was thought up in the 60s by uh, Eugene Winger, Wig Wigner. And he said, let's say he had a friend. So I'm the, I'm going to be proposing this. So Mr. Lumpkin is going to be in a lab and he's got a quantum coin, which means he can flip this coin. And if he does not catch the coin or observe the coin directly, it can be both heads or tails. Now, because he's in a room in my lab, I can set up a camera and I can also observe this as well. But if I don't observe this, I can describe the situation, the entire system as one system. So it's not a coin and Mr. Lumpkin, it's Mr. Coin and Mr. Lumpkin as one system. So even though he may make an observe observation and get a determination, I don't have to make an observation. So the coin can remain in a superposition of both heads and tails. And until I make an observation, I won't know. So Mr. Lumpkin can observe one thing and then I can observe another. And that's a possibility that we have with quantum experiments. And it's a very exciting thing because it means we will be able to take another hard look at whether or not things are casual, which means that there's cause and effect. We can take another hard look at whether or not those cause and effects are what are actually doing the things they say they're doing. Because for one person, it could be one thing. And for one person, it could be another thing. It's like Lori and Jarl, but with actual science. I just want to watch Mr. Lumpkin and Mr. Coin together. That sounds like a good TV show. <laughs> I think it would be a great video next year. You're going to have to push off West. Maybe like holding hands, walking on the street. 
Is this like Schrodinger's cat? It's like very much so. Exactly cat. like yeah. that. Yes, sir. But in but insofar as that, let's say you have the box and you have the cat, but now you're in a laboratory where I'm observing you, the box and the cat. So okay. while you may look at the cat and decide that'll collapse the wave state so that now it's either alive or dead because you have observed it. If I don't observe you, then it could still be in that superposition until I observe it. Okay. So there's a possibility that you could get a live cat and I could get a dead cat. Well, I think Schrodinger was a jerk. I mean, I like cats. How dare he? Dr. Schrodinger was brilliant. <laughs> I would say that. I actually did a lot of research on his work and he... He was absolutely brilliant. Very fascinating man. Now, he can still be a jerk. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Now, I, I, this is the part that I'm very excited for. We're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to do our burning question. And we're going to do our interview section. And we're back. And now we're going to have our much long-awaited interview with Mr. Kylie, one of our new teachers this year. We're glad to have you here at Manassas Park High School. But we're going to ask you a couple of questions. We'd like to get to know you a little bit better. How's that sound? All right. Sounds good to me. First question we always ask, where'd you grow up? So I grew up uh, very close by uh, in Yorkshire. Um, I used to, We used to uh, walk through the campus here. I went to Osborne Park. I know that's kind of your next question, but uh, I'll just kind of jump ahead. We would walk through here to get back home. So. Excellent. Excellent. It's always good to have a local product, someone who knows the area, someone that understands the population. So you did jump ahead a little bit. Yeah. But where did you go to school? Yes. Yeah, so uh, for high school, I went to Osborne Park, like I said. Um, I graduated in 2009. And then uh, for my undergrad, I went to uh, Mary Washington in Fredericksburg. And then um, I did my teacher certification um, through VCU. That was online, so I didn't really go there that often. But um, yeah, that's where I went. Excellent, excellent. Uh, what inspired you to go into education? Um, so it's always something I thought I would do, honestly. Always uh, in school, it just seemed like something that fit my personality, fit, um, you know, kind of, you know, I always wanted to help people, just how I saw the world. Um, and, but I didn't really do a lot to try to get there until after college. I started subbing because I kind of wanted to see if I could really do it if I could handle it and you know from there I just fell in love with it I was like oh this is great you know interacting with kids and stuff all the time um, then um, and then I first I really started out in gen ed it wasn't until um, a little bit later I got into special education um, and that I mean honestly at first it was just because that's sort of where opportunities were um, but you know that wasn't really enough to keep me there um, it's just you know really being able to help people who, you know, um, kind of had disadvantages in society. Um, I was like, you know, anything I can do to help people like that, you know, I was just like, you know, I'm there. Um, and then uh, one big influence um, on me was my uh, high school creative writing teacher, uh, Miss Drew at uh, OP. She's now a principal. Um, and, you know, she was always kind of cut against the grain a little bit, was sort of a nonconformist. And I was like, you know what? You know, I, it's, it was cool to see that in a teacher. I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's always good to have that one singular guiding person that says, mm -hmm. you know, I see something in you. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we say, if everyone says it, it'll help. But when you mm -hmm. reach one student individually, that really pulls them in that yep. direction. What do you think the role of a school is? 
Um, so a couple of things I have uh, written down here. Um, so first of all, uh, you know, it's kind of having a safe safe space for students of, you know, whatever background, you know, um, and allowing them to kind of learn about themselves and how they fit into the society, how they fit into the world. And then it's also important, you know, we've got to prepare them for whatever comes next in their lives, whatever that may be. Absolutely. And our final question, and this is probably my favorite question that we ask anyone mm -hmm. who comes on our show. What are three books that have influenced you that you would recommend to the student body? Okay, so first, my first pick, uh, this kind of leans heavy to sci-fi, uh, just, just so everyone knows. <laughs> uh, first would be The Dispossessed by Ursula K. Le Guin. I really wish I had read that in high school. I didn't until college. Um, and, you know, just kind of, um, um, what's the best way to phrase this? Like, it kind of showed me that it's like a, a really interesting way to imagine a different kind of world, you know? Um, and really, that's what I like about sci-fi in general is just, you know, being able to explore different ways the world could be, I guess. And then my next one, this is kind of a little bit of a cop out, but I was gonna just say Kurt Vonnegut because um, I read him a ton in high school. Um, I put Slaughterhouse Five down though because that's uh, the first book I read by him, and that's what really opened the door for me. But I mean, you can't really go wrong with anything he wrote, um, except I wrote this on here. Except Hocus Pocus, I would really <laughs> recommend that book. Anything else though? Um, Cat's Cradle, I like a lot. Um, Bluebeard. Um, Let's be about Dead Eye. Dead Eye. Oh yeah, that one's good. Um, I'm still reading uh, the one about the year that they're stuck in. That Time Quake. Oh, yeah. Time Quake is awesome. Um, Breakfast of Champions is also one of my top ones. Um, uh, so, and then my last one, I thought I'd switch it up a little bit from the sci-fi. Um, this was a really cool book I read in college. It's called Through the Language glass why the world looks different in other languages and uh it's by guy i really don't know how to say his last name actually guy deutscher i don't know um <laughs> and that's really interesting it actually in a way it kind of connects to what you were talking about in the quantum states in a way that um you know culture can have a big effect on how you see the world one of the really most interesting things I thought was that um, the way, and this is like one of those really basic things, it's like the way uh, your culture can almost influence the way you perceive color. Like, um, I think it's in, it was in like Russia, in Russian, like uh, light blue is like a completely different color. To, it's like as different from dark blue as like uh, green so it's like light blue and dark blue are like completely separate colors wow that's interesting. Um, and like yeah between each every culture it's like the cutoff from like blue and green can be very different um there was one also uh, with aboriginal languages in australia how like directional uh directions are different like um depending on like where the person is sitting telling a story they'll be able to say like you know it was to the left but then it's like if they're sitting somewhere else you know it's like in a different direction if that makes sense it does yes mm -hmm. so um yes yeah, so that i just thought was really interesting um to see like you know the way different people experience the world um and then to throw another author out there 
uh, Philip K. Dick, another sci-fi author, um, The Man in the High Castle. That's something I'd recommend too. And one last thing I'd want to, you know, tell everyone, it's like, you know, don't be afraid to read comic books or graphic novels. You know, if, you know, if you don't have the time necessarily to read like a whole book, you know, it's like there are lots of graphic novel adaptations of all kinds of different things. So, you know, I think that's a really cool art form as well. Excellent advice. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we're all big comic book fans mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. I, I know Mr. Yeah. Moore and I have had that conversation. Mm -hmm. Mr. Lumpkin's always cool. into those types yeah. of things. I actually have a very large comic book collection at home. Mm -hmm. So uh, I couldn't agree with you yeah. more. Uh, that is mm -hmm. one thing I want it, it, read. Yeah, read. Even if, yep. it's, even yeah. if it has pictures yeah. in it, read. <laughs> yep. So thank you, Mr. Carly. Mm -hmm. That was great. It's yeah. always nice to have uh, to get to know the people that we work with, mm -hmm. to get to know our colleagues. And it's always good to, I think it's a nice welcome for us to make sure we, yeah. we ask you. Yep. Instead of just go, yeah, he's the guy with the uh, the glasses and he right. plays in a band. Yeah, <laughs> it's always good to get to know. Yeah, no, I, it means with. a lot to me. I'm, like I said, glad to be here. Glad to be participating in this. Excellent. Thank you for joining us. Now, I wanted to get to our burning question. We've been chomping at the bit to really sink our teeth into this one. This is a question that we all feel fairly strongly about. So I'm very excited. The question is: Should society focus on equality of opportunity? or a quality of outcome. This has really been a philosophical debate that has been uh, kind of raging underneath the uh, underbelly of the standard debate that we normally have. You know, McDonald's or Burger King, uh, 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 Coke or Pepsi, you know, <clears throat> Almond Joy or Mounds, you know. And then, of course, we've got the heavy hitters like Lonnie or Yorl, which I mentioned earlier. So my question, and I want to pose it to the round table and go around the horn, uh, what do you think? Should we be a quality of opportunity or a quality outcome? We'll start with Mr. Morland. <clears throat> I don't think you can have, a, if you, if you focus on a quality of outcome, I don't think that's possible. I think it removes the drive that people have to be successful. And I think that when you have a quality of outcome, you basically take away free will. You tell someone it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you think, whatever you're going to have the same outcome as everybody else. And so then you create, you know, just this almost nihilistic viewpoint of, of uh, society. Whereas I think equality of opportunity is something we should strive for and something we should make sure is, is the case. Uh, because you can choose to do certain things to benefit yourself or your family or others. But if you don't choose to do those things, then that's your, that's your choice. You have free will to do that. And I think that's much more attainable than quality of outcome. I think oftentimes when you try to do a quality of outcome, instead of pushing everybody up to do better, you end up bringing everybody down to the lowest level because not everybody's going to be able to want to do that or, or have the ability to do that. Understood. That's a, I think that's a really good point. I think that's a really solid foundation of making sure that we make sure everyone is participating in society at some level and always reaching for that, that gold ring. Uh, Mr. Lumpkin, I want to get your take on this. Do you think we should be a quality of outcome or do you think we should be a quality of uh, opportunity? So I've thought about this a lot, but I think I look at this a little bit through a different lens. Because when I think of an opportunity through outcome or, uh, excuse me, uh, equality of outcome versus equality of uh, opportunity, I typically think of it in a way that I might be wrong or it might be just different. But I usually think of it as if I'm talking about opportunity of outcome, I'm thinking or I'm thinking of the journey versus the destination, right? Sure. I'm thinking of if I'm looking at the 
the quality of outcome, I'm focusing on a destination. I'm focusing on the outcome. I'm focusing where I want to end up. And the journey that gets there ends up just being either not a focus and that no one really wants to talk about or no one wants to deal with. It becomes irrelevant to whatever outcome that we ever get to because it comes a ends meets or justify ends justify the means situation. Then again, like I said, I might be thinking of this through a very different lens. When I'm thinking of opportunity, then I really want to be thinking of the way that we're getting towards something. I want to be thinking of what kind of means that we're providing everybody to be able to make the best of their own opportunities. So it, it, it go back and forth because if we're focusing on opportunity of equality of opportunity, we're focusing on everyone having the right to have that journey, the right for them to make their own destination or their own outcome, to be able to get to whatever end that they can try to achieve. I, I appreciate the sentiment of that, but when we look at it really from a more fundamental aspect, if we're all arriving at different destinations, if we're all arriving at different outcomes, you really need to be able to assess what those outcomes are. I mean, if we're looking at education, for example, we have a, or a educational system that focuses on the equality of outcome. We have standards that we all need to achieve. And if we don't achieve those standards, we don't meet that equality, then there ends up being a problem because someone either didn't get there or they got somewhere else entirely. So we focus instead on that outcome instead of the way that they're getting there. And I think there's value to both mindsets because there's a value to equality in general. But I, I have trouble coming to grips saying one or the other because I think it has to deal with the context in which society is pushing forward. I don't know. I think it goes, I think I can see a little bit of what Mr. Moreland's getting at when we're talking about if I'm looking at the outcome and the outcome is the only thing that's important and I'm pushing towards one certain outcome. Yes, there's definitely going to be people that I'm pushing down. Yes, there's people that I'm definitely pushing up. Yes, there's people that aren't going to try to achieve what they might want to achieve in life. And they might even just end up not caring because they know that they're going to find that outcome in any way they go. But without having some way to assess, without having some way to be able to discuss an outcome that we all want to achieve, an ideal that we all want to achieve, I feel like then we're just meandering so i don't know uh, it, it's it's a weird thing to get into and i feel like it ends up being very philosophical and i can't say that i comfortably hang one way or the other sure i think that again this is a debate that has raged at least since the time of aristotle mm. in in politics the probably one of his seminal works so i don't know that there is a right answer there is, you know, when we're talking about something like this, like you're asking us to boil everything down and give us a one or the other. And, and I don't know that that's a fair way to assess this type of question. Mr. Keeley, this is one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on is because you had a lot of thoughts on this. What do you think about the equality of opportunity versus the equality of outcome? And I know, again, we're giving you a binary choice. Yeah. but um, Yes. Yeah, so jumping off from that there, um, you know, we're talking about two ideals. So it's, you know, are we ever able to reach either one. Um, first, I kind of wanted to talk about equality of outcome sure. a little bit. Um, so I, again, I'm going to a binary, but um, for the quality of outcome, it seems like we're almost choosing between stability 
and creativity or maybe freedom, depending mm. on how you want to phrase it. So it's, you know, it depends, like, what do you value more? Is it better for everyone to be stable um, and, you know, be safe in a way, I guess? Or should we be allowing people to take more risks? You know, maybe they'll fail, but maybe they'll, you know, um, achieve something greater if we are leaning more towards the quality of opportunity. Um, you know, we're um, by giving, setting people up, you know, to have, to achieve lots of different things. That's kind of what I think more for a quality of opportunity anyway, but then a quality of outcomes seems more like setting people up for stability, if that makes sense. It does make a lot of sense. I, I think that when we have a discourse like this, the words that are being used are then used as a tool against the argument and maybe not necessarily <clears throat> arguing against the argument itself. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that, you know, I, I teach physics and one thing I tell my students with every physics lesson is, I will use words that you know in English. These words do not mean the same thing that they do in English. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, that's a barrier that I have to climb over when I present mm -hmm. a lesson. But that's the same thing when you're making an argument. When you say, hey, opportunity and equality, or, you know, outcome and opportunity, these are two words that we, we have a mindset on. Mm -hmm. And then when we think about those words, we go, well, we start arguing the definition of the word and not mm -hmm. engaging with the argument of say the other person that we're talking to. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I, I'm, and I tell my students this too, and they don't always know what it means in the outset, but I'm a hardcore indeterminalist. You know, I study physics. So what that means to me is I study and I look at what's going to happen in the experiment. The reason why I'm so excited about the quantum uh, observers can have their own set of facts is there is no determinalism. There is no everything is preset because in science, it's usually hard facts and that's it. And then what they never tell you in physics is, you know, we kind of fudge the numbers from time to time because we can prove the physics, but the hard numbers, the math, math doesn't always have the right answer. That's one thing that always to come up with the physics. So there is a philosophy element of being a physicist. So for me, when we talk about a quality of outcome and a quality of opportunity, it's like I think putting those two things in silos and then making them mutually exclusive mm -hmm. is yeah. really the problem. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't see why yeah. we just can't have both. I think when we talk about, you know, we should have a quality of outcome. That means, hey, you know, even if this one person who has bad luck, they should still have the same material at the end of what they're working toward, particularly if they follow all the rules and they do everything right and they acclimate to whatever societal norms that we have in place. But if they do everything that we ask of them, then they should have an equality of outcome. And they and the inverse to that, the equality of opportunity, you know, we should not, you know, for kids, we should make sure every student has access to at a minimum, a baseline, which is going to cover, like Laszlo says, all of their basic needs to put them in a position so they can reach self-actualization. You know, again, that's us. That was a process of getting people to where they think they should be based on the research of one person. There may be a whole nother pyramid to be discovered. We haven't found it yet. So for me, you know, I, I find this this argument a fascinating one. I, I want to see like, well, even if you don't agree with me, tell me what your idea is. If I say I believe in this particular equality of and you disagree, well, my argument now is not to tear your argument down. My argument is well, what is your argument? I'd like to know more so that we can come to some to some understanding and then we can try to achieve. Because I think by having one or both of these, we're still trying to achieve the best version of society possible. 
again, both of these wind up being very determinalist. I think they, they take away Mr. Moreland brings up free will, which I think is a great point. You know, if you tell people, here's the equality of outcome. Yeah, there to some extent, if if you take that of outcome is what happens when you're done, then yes, that that is we're taking away your free will to an extent that you don't get to say that your success is X, Y, Z. But I also think a quality of opportunity is the same because you take away what if someone sees where they're at and goes, well, if I do a different launch point, I can have a different outcome. You do the same there by saying, well, nope, you're going to get what everybody else has. And again, that stifles our creativity. That stifles our ability to create. I think one thing we should always be mindful of is a quality of autonomy. So you have these people who say, you know, we're going to give you the ability to have your own choice on what you want to be. And I, I find that still just as fascinating. Like, oh, well, you know what? You, you don't want to work a standard nine to five, 40 hours a week job. You know what? I think you should be afforded that to no detriment to yourself. That's, you know, I, I believe strongly in, hey, you should work the way you want to work and live the way you want to live. And everyone should be everyone should be able to make the choice to do that. I think that kind of goes into risk and reward with the uh, choices that you make about what you want to do. If you want to be an artist, that's fine. I, I have a friend who is working in medicine now. He wanted to be an artist originally, but that doesn't pay the bills. So he decided to be a uh, specialist instead. And so now that's the job he's got. If he wants to do art on the side, he can. But I don't think that it's necessarily a good idea to make everybody an artist just because I mean, we've, we've been researching jobs, our, our lesson for this week for 11th grade is jobs. Like what, what job do you want? And that's what I, I define equal opportunity as if you want to do something, that's fine. You have the opportunity to do it, but you got to know that there's risks involved depending on the job and there's, you know, rewards as well. If you're want to be an actor, you go to Hollywood, there's a lot of risks, but if you're successful, then you get paid a lot of money. And we, I looked up a video about jobs and this guy was saying, oh, in the future, all the jobs will be automated. There'll be just machines doing it. And that'll make room for everybody to be artists. <laughs> you don't become an artist just because you want to be an artist. You become an artist because you have a, a particular talent in that field that everybody values or a certain amount of people value. And that determines your success. It's not a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's It's something that's judged by other people and that becomes successful because of popularity or whatever. I mean, I'm not a big fan of, of, you know, certain musicians right now that a lot of the young people like, but they like them and that's why they're successful. I'm not the, the determiner of their success. Society is. And I think that's kind of, you know, it takes away from a quality of outcomes because, you know, if, if you guys know who William Hung is, if we had a quality of outcomes, he'd be a millionaire right now making albums every year. But unfortunately, it was not to be so he made one album that was kind of seen as a gag album and now he's back to doing his old job so i kind of wanted to go back <clears throat> to what you were talking about with the automation that reminded me of a book um by kurt vonnegut again uh player piano and that's um in that society you know everything's automated right the computers do all the work you know no one necessarily has to have a job to um you know, to live, but everyone still needs to be doing something. I, you know, in this society so that everybody ends up either being your choices are going into the army or you're part of the reeks and wrecks, which is like the road crew. So 
and I just thought that was kind of an interesting way that it's like, you know, is this one extreme, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I was just going to say, I just came off of a meeting where we were spending two hours talking about how to prepare students for one, for the jobs of the future that are not even made yet that come from off the back of innovation and automation particularly, but also how to develop people into wanting to create those new outcomes that they'd have to find now that the outcomes, the livelihoods that were probably very lucrative only 30, 40 years ago, like working for GM Motors, to making new outcomes and being more innovative. Like I, I think a lot of what we determine for the for this equality of opportunity and this equality of outcome ends up being really subjective to our own life experiences. And what we think of as equal really ends up kind of just being what we perpetuate as inequality. It's hard to assess subjective experience. But I, that, that was all I was going to add to that. No, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think I think that when we speak of that world where there's no more jobs, I, I think that's a doomsday, doomsday scenario yeah. dreamt up by people who <clears throat> want to find a way not to pay other people to do work. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't find that I, I also don't find I don't find that when you say, oh, well, well, the one guy who believes that we can all do this, we can all do that. I think at the end of the day, the idea of work is changing mm -hmm. because people are realizing that work in and of itself, if all you do is work, can be detrimental to the person. I think that, you know, you have those who want to say, you know, success is this, success is that, but work in and of itself is is being changed in the mindset of those that are that are coming of age today that have worked all their lives that are entering the workforce that are leaving the workforce and i i i don't know that the equality of opportunity and outcome are tied directly to that particular mm -hmm. facet of this conversation i i still think that it's very much so you know we look at a society where there's inequality of any kind and that any inequality of any kind spits in the face of the idea that all are equal before the law. If a person doesn't have money, that doesn't that should not preclude them from getting justice. If a person doesn't have, you know, status, that should not preclude them from having the same life. You, you should not have a poorer life just because you have a poorer bank account. I think that's where this really comes down to it. And I think on some base level, I think we all can agree, like, you know, a society should ensure that there are those that are taken care of irrespective of whatever their life journey has been, you know, the dash between the year of their birth and the year of their death, you know, we still should ensure like all those are taken care of. I guess that's the problem that I have with the whole concept to begin with. I mean, we, we strive for equal opportunity and people file lawsuits and do things like that to achieve that. But the same government that does not provide people with equal opportunity in the law is to be expected to give us equality of outcome too. I mean, an equal opportunity just seems kind of, you know, hypocritical to me because you trust the government to do equal opportunity under the law and they're not being very successful in that. Well, then why sure. would you trust them to do the same thing with something else? It's, you know, of course. So it just doesn't seem like it'd be plausible, at least not, you know, in a realistic sense. I mean, we strive to get equal opportunity with lawsuits, but equal outcome, that just seems like a pipe dream, really. Absolutely. And I would like to go ahead and thank Mr. Kylie for coming to speak with us today. It's been great. We've had a good time. Oh, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, I'm really glad you could join us. There was one thing we wanted to talk about one last 
quick thing. We are going to be adding a new section coming up on episode seven of our show. It's going to be student speak because we had a student that said he wanted us to talk about him. He is a member of the anime club and his favorite character in Smash Brothers is a Pokemon. He'll know who he is and we will get him to come in and talk about himself on our next episode. Anything you guys want to say as a quick shout out on our way out, Mr. Moreland, Mr. Lumpkin, Mr. Kylie? Well, uh, I just have to say that I'm glad that Mr. Kelly is my co-teacher and uh, he's doing an excellent job. And I'm glad to be a part of this podcast, too, with Mr. Here, Mr. Lumpkin. I kind of feel like sometimes I'm the I'm the person with the lowest IQ in the room, but uh, that's probably that's not true at all. all. <laughs> I, have, I, I, I often don't have any idea what you guys are talking about with the quantum stuff. And, you know, this is kind of funny. I'm just sitting there like thinking about quarters. With holding hands with Mr. Lumpkin. So. <laughs> Anything you got for us, Mr. Lumpkin? The most I know about physics is how to move a piece of sand through a, a dune, and that that's still fading back in my memory from college. I, I, in the same sentiment, just jumping off that, I'm excited to be here, I'm happy to be here to it. And, and thank you, Mr. Moreland, for being my ride home today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of everything else going on in my life, it's, no, it's nice to know that I have people around me that can help support me, and I, I really appreciate that. Well, once again, this has been a great, a great joy of mine. I love being around you guys. It's always great to talk to you. It's always great to have these conversations. Hopefully, we can spark a conversation within you. Look out for our new poll. We'll have that posted, if not today, tomorrow. And we will have a new episode for you later this week. So you will get a double dose of Practice What You Teach. Our Twitter, hashtag, our Twitter account is at PWUT Podcast, or as we like to call it, P what? He what podcast. So once again, <laughs> thank you all for joining us. Thank you. Good night and good luck.